Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We're going to look at a text that I have never taught before, and and quite honestly, I don't ever remember hearing a sermon on this chapter, ever. I, I've heard a sermon on one verse out of this chapter, but but I've never heard a sermon on this chapter, so it was quite interesting. It's called the parable, got a pen, got a pad, it's the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, into Matthew chapter 20, and I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pick up and read our text this morning, and then I'll come back and I'll have some comments about it. Matthew chapter 20, saints, beginning in verse 1, if you're with me, say amen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius, that would be like minimum wage, a day's wage, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about, notice, the third hour. So he went out in the morning, and then he went out at the third hour. And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. And again, he went out about the sixth hour, and then the ninth hour, and he did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. In other words, whatever's fair, I'll pay you. You want to notice that there's no agreement on salary here. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a second. So when in verse 8, evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them wages, beginning with the last to the first. Interesting, underline that. Beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying that these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden in the heat of the day. But he answered and said to them, to one of them, and said, friend, this is gracious, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. And I wish, go your way, I wish to give you, to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil or jealous because I am good? And so the last will be first 
Read verse 16 with me. So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. That's quite a chunk of text. I just wanted to read it to you and let's get it, get it in context. Now, now this here, if you're taking notes, this parable of the, of the, um, the laborers in the vineyard, this parable from the mouth of Jesus recorded here in Matthew is the only place in all of the synoptic gospels that is recorded. You will not find this parable in any other place in the Bible. Jesus loved to preach in parables. Jesus loved to tell stories. Any good preacher probably should try to learn to be a good storyteller because Jesus was the best preacher of all. Amen, saints. Jesus was a good preacher. People looking at TV trying to find a good preacher. Let me tell you where a good preacher to be found. And that's a whole nother sermon. Somebody once said, Jesus was a storytelling man. And that is true. He was the master communicator. He loved to preach in parables. What's a parable? Remember I told you about Matthew chapter 13 way back then? The word parable is made up of two Greek words, para, which means to come alongside, and bole, which means to throw or to place. So a parable is a story or an illustration that is thrown alongside a biblical truth to give understanding to the listener. I like to say just shortly in a little brief definition, a parable is a short little story with a great big meaning or an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. You've heard me talk about that. And Jesus loved to speak in parables. And he tells stories from real life situations. Now, here in our text this morning, what I like to do is I want to ask three questions and hopefully answer three questions. Number one, why did Jesus give this parable? That's what we're going to talk about. Here's our outline for the morning. Why did Jesus give the parable? Number one. Number two, what is the meaning of the parable? And then number three, how does this parable apply to me? What is it that we can learn from this parable? How is it that we can walk in it? I like to call it some shoe leather. Put some feet to our understanding. So we'll talk about that. Why did Jesus give the parable? What is the meaning of the parable? And how does this parable apply to me? Number one, why did Jesus give the parable? Now, listen and listen close. In order to understand, listen, you understand that chapter and verse is not the Holy Spirit's order. In other words, the Holy Spirit did not order chapter and verse in the Bible. Man did that. So then chapter 19 actually runs right into chapter 20. You can't separate them. Jesus was speaking. Now, in order to understand why he wrote the parable or why he gave us the parable, Jesus was speaking the last time we got together. Remember that Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler. That was last week. And remember, I told you it was the saddest story in the Bible. He came to Jesus, this rich young ruler, and he said, good master, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good except God. God is good. And Jesus is saying, listen, the reason you're calling me good is because I'm God. And then Jesus said, you know, the commandments, he said to the rich young ruler, he said, you know, the commandments, he said, keep them. And the the rich young ruler said, which one? Well, Jesus said, 
Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this rich young ruler arrogantly stands back and he says, check, check, check. I've done them all. And then Jesus says, oh, by the way, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything and give it to the Raleigh Rescue Mission. <laughs> Maybe they had one then. I don't know. And, and, and he'd sell everything and give it away. And the guy said, what you talking about, Willis? He couldn't understand that. And, and, and the Bible says how sad it was. We talked about it last week. He went away sorrowful. And so the disciples, they're standing there watching the whole thing. Jesus saw a teachable moment and he says, fellas, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, the disciples, you got to understand, this blew their mind. They said, Jesus, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, with God, all things are possible, but with men, it is impossible. And it was at that moment. Remember, keep the chapters together. It was at that moment in chapter 19. Look at it in your Bible. In verse 27, it was Peter who said, Jesus, we have forsaken everything to follow you. In other words, not like the rich man. We've given up everything. Now, now I find this interesting. I don't know. Perhaps you do, too. Peter said, we've given up everything. Peter, what have you given up? A stinky, smelly fishing net? A broke down fishing boat? What is it that you've actually given up, Peter? Isn't it true? I'm amazed at how we think that because we are following the Lord, we're giving up something. And how soon we forget. Listen, when you follow Jesus... When you follow the Lord, you are not giving up anything. As a matter of fact, you're gaining everything. Say amen, saints. You are gaining everything. We think, oh, well, I have gave up everything to follow Jesus. You know, I gave up that bad relationship I was in to follow Jesus. Oh, I'm such the martyr. Oh, I gave up my business to follow Jesus, although you weren't paying taxes and you were crooked. But I gave up everything to follow Jesus. Listen, when you follow Jesus, you're not really giving up anything. In comparison, you are gaining everything imaginable. The Bible says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? You're not giving up anything. But Peter said, whoa, we gave up everything to follow you, Jesus. (laughs) Really? A fishing net that stunk? A broke down boat? Half the time you went out fishing and you didn't catch anything? And, of course, you come back with the fish story, you know. What did you really give up? Well, then Peter said, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. Notice in chapter 19 and verse 29, Jesus said, Everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wife, children, land, shall receive a hundredfold and have eternal life. In other words, whoever served Jesus will get more than they give up. Isn't that true, saints? I mean, think about that. When you come to Christ... You get eternal life. You get mercy. You get grace. You get forgiveness. Are y'all with me this morning? You get everything. And then get this. You get a whole big monster family. Family? Yeah. You become part of The family of God. And now you've got this huge family. You've got billions of brothers and sisters. How's that for a Christmas list? 
How about just right here in the church? You got a great big family. You become part of the family of God. Now it is true, like in your natural family, in your spiritual family, you can't pick your family members. You know, look, look, look at your neighbor. Uh, look at your neighbor. That's your family member. I know they're ugly, but go ahead and look at them right now. Anyway. No, I'm just kidding. But that's your family. You know, it was mom, one mother was asked if she had it all to do over again, would she have children? And she said yes, but not the same ones. <laughs> True. You can't pick your family. You can't choose your family. But when you become a Christian, you become part of the family of God. And you've got brothers and you've got sisters in Christ. See, you just get everything. You get everything. Well, Jesus said, listen, whatever you give up to follow me, you'll get more. And you're going to be rewarded in chapter 19. So you got to pull this into chapter 20. You're going to be rewarded in heaven. There's going to be some surprises. Look at chapter 19, verse 30. Again, it says the first shall be last and the last shall be what, saints? First. You see that? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. So remember that tonight at the potluck. First shall be last and last shall be first. In other words, Jesus says, Peter, in heaven, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. You got to keep that in context. And that's why Jesus gives the parable to show that God does not reward like men. There's going to be surprises in heaven. Oh, we think Chuck Smith, when he gets to heaven, he's going to be like way up front with a really big crown. And we think Billy Graham is going to be way up front with a really big crown. And he's going to be rewarded like no other because he did so much to serve the kingdom of God. That's what we think. And the Bible says in heaven it's not going to be like that. You know, honestly, I got to admit, and I think they would too. People who stand in the pulpit and people who are in front of the people in this world, I'm probably going to be last in line at the potluck in heaven. Which would be a sad thing. Hmm. But see, why? Because, see, now what happens is I'm preaching the word and I'm doing what God has called me to do. And, and, and I'm here and, and, and this is where God has called me. And many of you come up and, oh, Pastor Rodney was such a blessing. And Chuck Smith, oh, you just blessed my life. And Billy Graham, oh, I got saved at your crusade. In many respects, I got to tell you, that's kind of our reward. I mean, prayerfully, not the extent of it, but, I mean, there's, there's, there's a piece of that, I think. You, you understand? The first shall be last. See, in, right now, on the earth, the who's who is going to be the who's them in heaven. Amen, saints. The first shall be last, and there's going to be surprises. And that's the point of the parable. The parable is teaching us about God has this outrageous order of things. And he has outrageous grace. And he doesn't reward and bless men according to what they deserve, but because he loves them and he has called them. And Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm going to reward others in an unexpected way. That's the point of the parable in chapter 20. If you understand that, say amen. Now, which brings us to our second point. What does it mean? What does it mean? Notice, take note in your Bibles in verse one. Would you look at it again? The landowner went out early in the morning around 6 a.m. That's the start of the Jewish day. The Jewish day starts at 6 a.m. and it ends at 6 p.m. You know that. 
So notice the, the, the landowner, he went out early in the morning around 6 a.m. in verse 1. And he hired laborers and, and agreed to pay them minimum wage. That would be a denarius, like a penny, actually, in verse 2. And then he went out at the third hour, which is 9 a.m., and he hired more. Did you see that in verse 3 and 4? And he told those guys, don't worry about the money. Whatever is fair, I'm going to pay you. And then in verse 5, he went out at the sixth hour. That would be 12 noon. I hope you're writing in your Bibles, 12 noon. And he hired more. And at the, and the ninth hour, that would be 3 p.m. And then in verse 6 in your Bibles, he went out, notice this, at the 11th hour in verse 6, which is 5 p.m., and because the day ends, as I said, at 6 p.m., there's only one hour left to work for those who were hired at 5 p.m. So the man went out and he hired at different times of the day. What does it mean? Well, some people say that this section is teaching salvation. And that some people come into the kingdom at different times and at different seasons in their lives. And that is true. Some people get saved in the dawn of their lives, 6 a.m., early in their lives. I've talked to people, and you know, I know the date that I got saved because I didn't get saved till I was 21 years old. And, and, and so I know that I got saved on January 23rd, 1982. But there are some people who don't know the day they got saved because they grew up in a Christian home and the Lord, you know, their families were wonderful and mom and dad sowed spiritual seeds. And, and, and you don't really remember some of you guys. I don't know. Is there one person here that don't that you don't remember when you got saved? OK, we all were heathens for a long time in life. OK. And uh, but which most people <laughs> to tell you the truth. And, and, and so but there are people who, who don't know. When they got saved, because it was early in their lives when they became a Christian. And then some people get saved, if you will, in their teenage years, about the third hour. Lots of life ahead of them to serve the Lord. And then there are some people who get saved in midlife. That would be 12 noon. Just kind of midlife, they get saved. And then others come in the ninth hour at a time when much of life is behind them. And then some people get saved. Did you notice this? At the 11th hour. What is that? Theologians actually call this the 11th hour conversion. What is that? That is people who get saved, say, on their deathbed. Do you believe that? I believe that. I not only believe it, I know it to be a fact. Because I have led a couple people to the Lord, to tell you the truth, on their deathbed. And you want to talk about a beautiful, beautiful moment? When you're one brother, I held his hand. He received the Lord and then he went to Jesus. It was cool. It was a blessing for me. Probably more for him because he took his next breath in the presence of God. He was like, wow, man, I was in the ER and whoa, look at this place. I mean, just like that. Just like that. A deathbed conversion, the 11th hour conversion. They get saved. Hey, in the Bible, remember, I just thought of this, the thief on the cross. Remember, Lord, when you get to paradise, Lord, would you remember me? And he said, what? Today you will be with me in paradise. That's an 11th hour conversion. So in theory and in thought 
And I think biblically, that concept is true and it is right. Although I do not believe that this text is teaching that. I believe that this text, that Jesus is not talking about salvation, but Jesus is talking about service. Jesus is talking about those who are serving him and have a right attitude in serving him. And it's to those in service of him that he has the right to reward and to pay his servants according to their service through his sovereign grace. That's what I believe the text is pointing to. It was Warren Wiersbe. I I don't know if you know this particular author, but he's great. He wrote a book called Being a Servant. We have it in the bookstore if you're interested. Being a Servant, and it defines ministry. He defines ministry like this. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to to the glory of God. I love that service. Let me tell you something in your Christian life. If you're not serving someone other than yourself, you're probably feeling pretty empty. Do you know God has saved us for a purpose? Do you know that God has saved us so that we could be a blessing to each other? If you knew that, say amen. That's why God is. God did not save us so that we could just be happy in our salvation and, and sit and twiddle our thumbs and wait to go to heaven. If that be the case, you know what? God could save you and take you to heaven right away. What, what, what's the point? You ever thought about that? What's the point of you still being here? What's the point? I mean, if heaven is so glorious, if heaven is so wonderful, if we can't all wait to get there, then, then, what, what, then, why, you know, then why don't we just get saved and then just go to heaven? I mean, that would be the ideal thing. Then we don't have to go through trials and testings and all of these things that life has to bring us. Well, the reason is because God saved you for a purpose. Listen, God has said, listen, if you're not serving the Lord, listen to me. God has saved you for a purpose. God has more for you than you are allowing him to work in and through you right now. And God wants to use you to bless the body. When you become a Christian, God gives you a gift the moment you become a Christian. First Corinthians chapter 12, go read that in your own time. He gives you a gift. The day you become a Christian, he gives you a gift. And when he's giving you a gift, he expects you to use that gift to bless other people and not use that gift to bless yourself or to bring glory to yourself. But to be a blessing to people, I got to read you this story. It was of a man who spoke with the Lord about going to heaven and hell. And the Lord said to him, come and I will show you hell. Well, they entered a room where a group of people sat around a huge pot of stew Everyone was famished, desperate and starving. Each held a spoon that reached the pot, but each spoon had a handle so much longer than their own arm that it could not be used to get the stew in their own mouths. Well, the suffering was terrible. Well, the Lord said, come now, I'll show you what heaven is like. And so they entered another room identical to the first, the pot of stew, the group of people, the same long handled spoon. But there everyone was happy. And well nourished. Well, I don't understand, said the man. Why are the happy people here and miserable people in the other room and everything is the same? And the Lord smiled and said, it's simple. Here they have learned to feed each other. You understand? So I use my spoon to feed you. You use your spoon to what? Feed me. 
And now we're a blessing to each other. But conversely, if I try to use my spoon to feed me, it's too long. I can't get fed. God has saved you for a purpose. Amen, saints. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you're not blessing other people and trying to bless yourself, that's why you're starving and you're hungry. What is it that you do? What is it you love to do? What gift has God given you? That's what he wants you to use for his glory. And I believe that when you use that spoon or that gift to serve other people, then you get a glimpse of heaven. And then our final point this morning, number three, how does this parable apply to us today? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.